Thanks for listening to this Word in Your Ear podcast. If you'd like to get early access to all our productions ad-free, priority booking for our live events, and to take part in our weekly quiz, go to patreon.com slash wordinyourear for more details. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello HelloFresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. You're listening to a podcast from The Word. Hello and welcome to The Word Podcast. I'm David Hepp with a bit of a change of plan for this week uh, because we're in the thick of the holiday period. We thought it'd be a good idea to look back on some of the uh, some of the hilarity and illumination that we feel we might have provided over the last six months in the shape of the best of The Word Podcast. So pick the bones out of this lot. The Word, a magazine, a website, a podcast, a way of life. This is not a very podcast-friendly item because I'm about to show you to a picture oh, right, that okay. I printed off the internet, okay? I think and I know a, what this is. It's yeah. George Michael on stage. Another gig that I'm sure you're You've very You've ruined the surprise for us now, Dave, because we can't no. see it. <laughs> you told us on stage? No, I'm not. It's, that's okay. not the mystery. All right. Okay? Uh, in front of however many people at the new Wembley Stadium, 70,000, 80,000, absolutely huge. And a bunch of people here, you've seen this picture, have been fortunate enough to get close to the artist, okay? Right. And I want you to tell the listeners what they're doing. Oh, right. Well, none of them is pissed to be looking at George Michael. Right. Not they're one staring person at the back screens picture. of their little video cameras. Yeah. Yeah. They're taking photographs. How does that feel if you're George Michael? Well, he's probably he's probably not that aware, is he? He's feeling a bit woozy. Doesn't really know where he is. Yeah, could he stepped out of a four by four vehicle. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. Yes. It is homely. Weaving its uncertain way towards Wembley. <laughs> yeah, no, no, yeah. Someone very just him, him, mate. pointed him at the stage. Go on, George. Do <laughs> last Christmas or whatever. Comes along, and wanders off again. It's all over, isn't it? So, don't you think it's got to stop though? This this uh, photography, this mad photography by well, people at. At gigs. It's just, I went to these see, people uh, are not watching no. what they've paid all that money and gone to all that trouble to watch, are they? But then what, what's to watch? Well, presumably, if they think it's worth photographing, they must think it's something worth watching. Yeah. So why not watch it? In the case of George Michael, though, all you're watching is a man in a, in a, in a rather lacklustre maroon jacket yeah. with either side of him uh, rather tawdry inflatables of Bush and Blair. Yeah. They're but probably not actually taking photographs. They're watching uh, a film that yeah. they've brought along with them. <laughs> yeah. Do you they're, think they're, they're, they're watching at, music and lyrics with do you know new what, they're, and 
they Drew might Barrymore. be looking at some other pictures of a more exciting concert they took a week before. A week beforehand. Somewhere. They're showing each other. Have you seen the aliens? They're really good. <laughs> Very good. I don't know what we're doing. Are you here. familiar with Laura Veers? <laughs> Great. Fantastic artist. Uh, very exciting. Oh, who's, who's this geezer? Yeah. God knows. Go on, get off. I went to uh, a Prince press conference recently, and uh, I actually was guilty of doing that because before he even came on, they had some clips of him, and I took some pictures of the clips, which is stupid. You took pictures of Yes, I did. Of pictures? And then when he came on, and he was did? about uh, 25 yards away, I took some pictures of Prince, put one on the website. Little tiny bloke in a white jacket, 25 yards away, on a camera phone. So I know, what, I can understand why they're doing it, because you sort of feel like you oh, I'm going to capture this moment. But the trouble is, everyone's doing it on camera phones. Nearly all, all, nearly all of those on camera phones. Yeah. And they're just but not going the to be any equivalent. good. equivalent. I went to see Pet Shop Boys, the Hammersmith Odin, the, mm. the other night, and mm. exactly the same thing happened. It was just in front of us was just a forest of arms. Every single person was recording it. And the truth is, you can't go home now and say to your, to your other half, you know, I was a concert. You have to say, oh, I was a concert, have mm. a look. It was like, there was a very annoying thing about ten years ago when people used to ring you up during concerts on their mobiles mm. and the phone would go did you ever get that you oh, it, all you can hear is a yeah. sound of applause and screaming and drunken people shouting and then in the distance you could hear Bob Dylan playing Mr Tambourine yeah. Man very really very badly. badly and some drunken voice goes here mate listen <laughs> guess where I am and it used to make me quite cross actually yeah. isn't it just so, anyway, friends, don't do that it is. Yeah, it's, it's like yeah. It's the postcard thing, which is I'm there and you're not, and I'm having a better time than you because you're having a better time. You than can't me. be having a better because you're time. You're driving me crazy playing. You couldn't be having a better time Michael. because I'm not at a George Michael concert. Therefore, I'm be- whatever I'm doing, I'm going to be having a better time. By definition, by definition, I was with my in-laws. Uh, I had Wash a, I, it up. I had an early night and went to bed at my in-laws' house on Saturday night and that would have been more fun than that so you know here we go it's withering withering The Word a magazine a website a podcast a way of life boys I've got a newsflash which I know is going to excite you right Mm -hmm. just got this from a PR today Mm -hmm. just to let you know just to let you know they all say that that one the juggler who were the talk of the town in the mid-80s, had a 25th anniversary gig on Good Friday at the Amersham Arms in New Cross, the first time they've played together in over 20 years. Everyone's reuniting. I've got an interesting pop fact about them, genuinely, which I'm sure you don't this know. Do you know why the... they're called Won the Juggler? Was it an anagram? I can't believe... Oh, that's good. Let's work it out. What no, let's not. John why are they called Won no. the Juggler? Yeah. <laughs> um, no, I think it would interest you particularly, though, because it involves an old colleague of ours... From the old grey whis- whistle test, Whispering Bob. Whispering the Bob group, Harris. The group, I think, from the form, form in the 80s, wasn't it? They decided... Probably. Yeah, they decided to think of a name that was the kind of name that uh, of a group, a fictitious group, that Bob Harris would have liked in the early 70s. Do you mean like a kind so of... So like Mott the Hoople, you know, that era yeah. when people came up with those rather kind of slack, cosmic, uh, hippie, slight, slightly kind of... Maybe as if there was a, you know, probably a bloke with a tricorn hat... In the group, or you know, there were in fact jugglers. So won the juggler. So I wanted to think of a name for a group made up of a bunch of tossers. Well, I always thought it was to do with pocket snooker. Anyway, won the juggler. It just seemed to be some kind of weird. I never realised it had so much resonance. (laughs) (laughs) So is it pocket snooker where you come from? It's pocket billiards where I came from. In in, in York, is that a Yorkshire Lancashire thing? I think you're just better brought up than me. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you were playing with more balls. (laughs) It's a regional differences debate already. There we go. So, uh, look, we, we're, uh, we, we've got to apologise for that. We've been absent for a few weeks because uh, the truth is we recorded the podcast a couple of weeks ago and cocked it up, didn't we, Mark? Didn't I, Mark? I did it. <laughs> we, okay. I cocked it up. He's fessed up. We did. We had quite a nice time, actually, didn't we? we Most did. of the afternoon, make ourselves laugh. But, and, uh, uh, it wasn't I a complete waste of time, but, it, but it's inaudible. One of the things we were talking about uh, was 
this unprecedented summer of, uh, of festivals, mm-hmm. 2007, got feature about it in the in the new issue of Word that it seems to be what is it? It's a combination of global warming, isn't it, mm-hmm. and uh, and the fact that everybody thinks they can put on a festival that that they're taking place right through the year in a way that's mm-hmm. never gone on before, isn't it? Yeah, well, the, the global warming is part of that because uh, festivals, when I were a lad, I think it used to start at the end of May and it was weeing with rain then. Mm. And they used to end in mid-July when it had begun weeing with rain again. <laughs> Happy days when yeah. you look back at it, actually, in the scorched earth policy of modern Britain. But anyway, now I think you can go to festivals, certainly in Northern Europe, can't you? Yeah. Or Southern Europe in early, in March. And this goes right through to October. In fact, there are groups, I think, playing massive stadium venues without roofs. Uh, or roofs, indeed, in, in October and September. Yeah. So, so, just, so there we are. We yeah. have another six months of live music. So it's not, all, it's not all dead penguins, is what you're saying. No, it's, no, it's, no, it's no, also no. the police at I don't know, I'm November. sounding like Jeremy yeah. Clarkson now. Jeremy Clarkson was on, yeah. uh, on Have I Got News For You, the British programme on Friday night, saying how he approved of global warming. Well, why, did you say the British, whole, why did you say the British programme? Because there are people listening, David, as you well know, in, in England, <laughs> in, 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 in Ireland, and in Japan, and all over the let world. What? You, global village? You're going to say global village now? Let me ask you this. If you tune into an American podcast tonight, do you think they say David Letterman, the American TV host? Well, that's no, because nobody knows David Letterman. No, well, that's American. They nobody knows. Have I got news for you outside of the county I live in? Does <laughs> <laughs> anyone in Japan watch? It? I don't think so. Anyway, our Japanese yeah, listeners. Ask you on now. The point I was going to make, nothing <laughs> will know. The one I was going to make was Jeremy Clarkson's thing about global warming. Is who's complaining about the weather? Do you like the weather? Then get over it. Can I just so say that's one, the action I have on, on the Can I just say front. one thing about Jeremy Clarkson, just topical, and we're not going to get into the subject of Jeremy no. Clarkson because I know Andrew will, you know, steam will be coming out of his ears or whatever. I like Jeremy Clarkson, but on how have I got news for you? He didn't like it up him, did he? No, he didn't. Well, when Ian no. Islop started going on about, was he been on holiday with Prince William or something? He was severely embarrassed, wasn't he? He was. He, he looked as if he was going to stomp up to the gallery and take it up with the producer. He, Will you stop those boys bullying me? Bullying me. Yeah. He can dish it out, though, but he can't, he take, can't it. take it. When the going gets it. rough, etc. Yeah. yeah. Anyway. Apparently, yeah. I sound just like him. People you, say you to me on the telephone that I, they think, are you Jeremy Clarkson? So that's horrific, isn't it? No, it's not. You could have a great career in TV. I probably could. There's a lot of voiceovers, <laughs> yeah, actually. You, you could be talking about you know, cars great, with six-cylinder engines. Yeah, There's some money in it. That's twice we've had Clarkson in this podcast oh, already. Almighty. Never again. Never Clarkson again. Fatwa. <laughs> I, like, I like Clarkson. The Word. A magazine, a website, a podcast, a way of life. Jude, you and I have got one thing to talk about that I know has been very close to your heart of late, yes. as it's been close to mine. Probably you for longer than me, which is um, vinyl. I know, you got a bit um, excited about vinyl the last I've, couple I've, of weeks. I have to say, the last few weeks I shifted the pile of CDs off the top of the old, the old deck, the old dual deck. It's not that old, actually, but a nice one. And thought time to start playing the odd record and got the odd one out and since then I've barely played anything else I've, I've barely gone to the CDs at all, I've been playing the old you know, the Jesse Winchester record the old Van Morrison record the Joni Mitchell records or whatever and I have to say that I am now utterly convinced by the argument that Neil Young advanced all those years ago that it sounds better. No, I agree with you completely. So um, why do you? Why does it sound better? Well, there's some boring scientific reason about how, on a CD, the top and the bottom levels are taken off or something. But um, there's something about putting on an old record as well. You know, even a record that's got a bit of crackle and a bit of hiss on mm, it. Surface noise. You just put it on. It's not it's, just that. It's and, it, and there's that kind of warmth that comes with that. But um, 
Those are love marks, aren't they? That's yes. what they call them in advertising. Yes. <laughs> no, seriously. What? A product that you have a relationship with, if it has the signs of ownership or the signs of experience, oh, those no, are love so marks. Scarred so scarred so stained. A, C- yeah. a CD, one of its great weaknesses, is your CD sounds just the same as the guy next door's CD. Yeah. Whereas your record doesn't. Yeah, your record jumps exactly the same. Oh, whatever. Yeah. You know, but you forgive that, you know, because that's a love mark. Anyway, but the... the um, the thing that I, that's come clear to me recently through playing these records um, is that CDs have too... The, the peaks are too high and the, and, the, the, and the lows are too low. The silence is too great, the noise is too great. Whereas, and so you can draw it like a kind of, you know, a temperature chart at the end of your bed in the hospital. Whereas a, a record, analogue, it's like a wave. It, it goes like yeah. that, up and down gently. It's like looking at, you know, low-lying hills as opposed to looking at the Alps, yeah. which is which is what's happening I with the CD. Lot, there's a lot to be said for your mood when you listen to a record too, because, um, well, I got my um, turn, turntable fixed about three months ago, having been a person who had just bought vinyl obsessively in a kind of indie fan way, you know, going to record fairs and uh, trying to nudge past um, sweaty men and uh, skinny indie boys, which is obviously a great chore. Um, <laughs> I enjoyed that. But, um, yes, of course. And... Um, <laughs> Yeah, just I got it fixed, and um, I think especially when we, you know, listen to music on MP3 players so much, and it's there all the time, like wallpaper in the background. When you go home at the end of a busy day, you sit down and think, "What shall I do? I'll make a cup of tea, I'll put a record on." And you've got to go to yeah. your party yes, record, get a record out, put it on, put the stylus on, and just you've got to, you once you've put it on, you almost want to sit down and pay it a little bit of you know. Yep. It's the return. This is interesting, isn't it? Because I, I was I reviewed the Rufus Wainwright album. What's it called? Release the Stars. Um, That's right. Yes. In Word, and and I think they missed a trick by not putting that out on vinyl because that is um, whether you like him or not, it's it's an old fashioned album. Yeah. You know? yeah absolutely. <laughs> it's, it's a song sequence that yeah. uh, works in a certain way. It has a it has an arc to it. It has a drama to it. And you did, I felt, listening to it on CD, I had the remote control, I kept having to put it down. You know, no, you shouldn't be mm. flicking around yeah. this oh, yeah. thing. You should be doing it in this, uh, in this order. And you should be stopping halfway, turning it over. I couldn't agree more. I think, it, I feel, when I played Vibes, I got the same thing. I bought an old tube amp, as I think Americans oh, call them, about, really? uh, yeah, about uh, three years ago. So by the crackling log fire in my front room, I have an old record player, and, and uh, I have certain records that I play all the time. Go on, what are they? Oh, God, well, there's uh, several of the Steve Miller band. There's first pull up, <laughs> then pull down by Hot Tuna. I don't know why, it just sounds really good on vinyl, I'm sorry. It there's does. A, it just sounds absolutely great. I've got an old Pentangle record, Basket of Light. It just sounds beautiful on It's vinyl. the warmth. Now, I'm going yeah. to tell you, one other theory that I've developed over the last couple of weeks while going through this this stage, which could go on for a long time, is that you can, I think with vinyl, you can stand an awful lot more volume. The noise, when you turn it up, is not, it doesn't hurt. No, it doesn't. It's not sharp. It's not sharp. Um, because I have to say that the other thing that triggered me into this was interviewing Nick Loaf, which is, you know, in the in the next issue of Word, Nick Loaf's got a, got a new record out called uh, At My Age. And because Nick Lowe has, you know, been through it at every stage as a performer and as a producer, particularly back in the late 70s and early 80s or whatever. And he was telling me, telling me a very interesting story about... Um, about going in to get a record mastered in the early 80s. And he said, all you used to want when you go in to get it mastered was for your record to be louder than everybody else's. Yeah. So that it 
punched through on the radio. It leapt out the speaker. Mm. You know, Girls Talk by Dave Evans or Watching the Detectives by Elvis Costello or whatever. It had to just punch out. And then this, he said for years they'd been going along with him and then he met this mastering engineer and said, you can't do it. He says, because the things that make records really punch out are actually in the performance. They're not in the engineering at all. And he played him, I think I'm right in saying, Oh, What a Night by the Four Seasons. And said, this record leaps out of every radio, not because it's been mastered at a very high level, it's it's just it's played, perfectly constructed. It's only got a small number of instruments, its dynamics are absolutely brilliantly calculated. The other thing that, uh, if this isn't too technical, the producers will tell you that the guy who produced that Nick Lowe record is a great friend of mine. And he explained it to me, if you go to a studio, of course, you now have the digital image up in front of you. And if you can is this a Gold Top Studio? You've got to tell people about Gold Top Studios. Because this is a place in, in Camden Town, in isn't Camden it? Camden Town is, yeah. It's just go on. Well, gold, oh, it's just the most gorgeous place. Because you know why it's called Gold Top? Gold Dairy. No, it's, well, it's called Gold Top because it's, it's in an old dairy and Phil Spector's studio used to be called Gold Star. Oh, I didn't know that. <laughs> so that's the little bit of a gag. A little bit of a gag. It's anyway, the most no. gorgeous place and it's all analogue equipment. Again, the, this is the sound of young Islington there. Just we are being silence on. for the sound oh, of... Oh, we stopped. Oh, it stopped. stopped. They called him. <laughs> <laughs> There's plenty more out there. Keep looking. He was, anyway. in, he was in a wheelchair. <laughs> Go on. I'll never sell ice cream to travelling that speed. No, but he... Uh, was that Eric Morgan? No, the gold stuff is full of old analogue equipment. They've got, they've actually generally got a set of uh, Ringo Starr's old drums. I mean, just really, they've got a, a Wurlitzer piano, they've got a Hammond organ with Leslie speakers, which is all which you can hear actually on this incredible record by uh, by Nick. And it's really all recorded beautifully. It's that acoustic thing where people are just gathered around a microphone, all singing. All the horn sections are all playing in, in real time, and you can hear the physical three-dimensional space. But the point that Neil made, which I think is absolutely true, sorry, I hope this isn't too technical. It's a, no, really this is really interesting. Is that if you go to a recording studio now, they put the track up, as they say, you can physically see the track, in the same way as you can see Garage Band on your computer. You see all the tracks, and you can physically see what they're doing. And so if you're coming up for a chorus, you see a certain amount of space, and then suddenly, bang, all the levels go up, all the graphic equalisers, and there is the chorus, with every single track full of some oh. instrument doing something, a backing vocal, a percussion. Of course, the tendency is, when you can physically see a track, to fill yes. the empty spaces with yeah. sound. Right, yeah. And, and of course, if you couldn't see it in the days of vinyl, you could see it. It's just a quarter-inch tape spinning by from a reel to reel. You can't physically see the holes in the track, so you don't feel any compulsion. Just go, oh, we need something there. What you actually get is terrific highs and lows and vacillations of mood and character and drama, mm. which is what makes records so good, just like the record you're talking about. It's so what's, good because it's so beautifully built. What's really interesting about analogue these days, there's a studio near where I live, which is the Tolerag Studios, mm. which we'll know, because um, White the White Stripes famous into their record yeah, there. Yeah. There's a few bands this year have done, there's a band called The Bishops, who are kind of, um, have this very Hamburg Beatles sound about them, and they recorded it there too. And... Um, I think this with um, vinyl in general is this resurgence of the in- interest in vinyl in younger people. This, I know that um, seven inches have um, are really starting to come back in retail. Um, HMV, um, who aren't selling as many singles as they used to, are selling a lot of uh, seven inch singles now because a lot of the young bands like The View and the Arctic Monkeys have stuff up in seven inch yeah. and bands like this. So you, you know, do wonder do could it ever come back? Well, is it's never it gone possible? away in dance music, is it? It's never gone away in dance, no, but most that. people... You see, I think loads of people listening to this, this podcast, wordmagazine.co.uk, will be people, because I've had correspondence from them, who've thrown away their old decks. Mm. I think a lot of people did it. They're going to regret that. And I th- I th- my advice to you is this. 
if you've still got some records, go and buy one. Yeah. The other go and buy a deck, because you, you you'd be amazed how much you'll love it. There's another amazing aspect of vinyl, I think, which is that there is a, a time limit to how long you can play vinyl. I remember you interviewed Elvis Costello for Word uh, about our second issue, and he was talking about a copy of, almost, uh, of Blue, in fact, by, by Joni Mitchell. He said, I physically wore it out. Do you remember? I yeah. wore the groove out. Yeah. Right and in acetate, in dance music, where you get a press of acetate of a particular mix, mm. right? I think I'm right in saying that you can only play an acetate physically seven or eight times. That is all it will take. Oh, really? and it'll be gone. And so, and I think this is brilliant because I never had this experience as a kid. I never had an experience that I was listening to a record that I could only physically actually hear eight. There could only be eight performances of it ever in the world. It'd be gone because it's one mix cut into an acetate and gone. And I think that's really so you're really concentrating. Yeah, I think so. that's really fascinating because it makes it an event. You can actually say I was present when that particular mix was played. Yeah, hard for that anecdote to work. I can imagine, <laughs> but I can see the I can see the attraction. So no, I mean it's only about a year ago. I remember Andrew Collins, who who writes for Word. He 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 got rid of a load of his old CDs and uh, and records, apart from things he particularly treasured, because he just decided I think they were moving back into town and he needed more space and just thought this is stupid. I can have all this as a bunch of noughts and ones, you know. And of course I've got thousands of twelve inch black vinyl LP and I thought to myself I should probably do something similar but you yeah. know they're occupying huge space you know I had to get an RSJ put it in the loft to sustain them but I didn't and you know the last few weeks I've been so pleased that I haven't and I've just been going down them and thinking oh god pull that out and play it and it's and they're very often records that I never bothered to replace on on uh, and get a CD copy of it or anything, you know. So I haven't listened to them for years. And don't you feel disrespectful to the record when you when you've you, you've taken missed the track out? You know, you've actually got oh, yeah. deliberately. Done. It's not as easy just punching through something which you do yeah. randomly and uh, wantonly. And you really feel this is a, this is an event. That you I do wonder you do wonder whether it'll come back because I interviewed Jack Holtzman, who was the man who started Electra Records. You know, he's now in his seventies, if not his eighties. Uh, and uh, not long ago, when they had the 50th anniversary of Electra, wasn't it? And he said that he couldn't believe that the record industry threw away its fundamental marketing tool, which was the cover of the 12-inch album. Yeah. And and at the time, you thought, oh, that's just a bit of silly nostalgia from an old man who's been left behind. And then you think, no, that might be true, actually. You know, that people don't... I don't care how, how much... I don't care how much you like the Arctic Monkeys, you do not feel the attachment to that CD mm. that you have bought that somebody would have felt to a 12-inch record of no, The Clash yeah. that they bought but in 1977. Like, but has you anybody said to you in the last, I don't know, 10 or 15 years, that's a brilliant CD cover? Because no. I can't remember anyone ever saying that, because if it was a brilliant CD cover, you wouldn't notice it, because it's only it's six inches wide. <laughs> yeah, It yeah. could be, I mean, you know, Oasis spent a fortune taking a picture of a Rolls-Royce in a swimming pool with a clock and all sorts of terribly yeah. complicated. Do you remember that? Yeah. I remember what the album was now. I mean, that was... The oh, there you go. <laughs> there you <laughs> I remember that. Ain't that, that, that the truth? <laughs> but, yeah, that's the kind of construction that people do in the 70s, but it really mattered, because you could see it all. So, um, the album sleeves up in the room as decoration. I do. I've you got some more. I've got giant steps for John Coltrane. Oh really? Dude, that's so cool. No, it's very cool. <laughs> have you got? Have you got that's one really of those? Uh, one of those frames that we uh, they sometimes advertise in work. What, what do we call them? No, art, I haven't. Art it's vinyl. Art vinyl. Art vinyl. You can yeah. get those, and you can you can put your uh, your favourite album covers on your wall if you're so disposed. So anyway, I mean, I don't know if you feel the same about uh, about old vinyl as we are currently feeling. <laughs> 
Uh, let us know about it on the uh, on the website, wordmagazine.co.uk. The Word. A magazine, a website, a podcast, a way of life. <laughs> the reason Mark's tanned is you've, you've been diving, haven't you, Mark? Did you put that, you put that picture on the site, right? If anybody yeah. wants evidence okay. of Mark Ellen's underwater activities, you can go on the website, wordmagazine.co.uk. Well, there's actually a picture of Mark Allen. I can't put it any other way. Swimming with sharks. Swimming with sharks. No, I was. I was. I, I went out to uh, yeah the Bahamas in, in uh, uh, the listeners um, in in my capacity as a, as the correspondent for Diver Magazine. Yes, yeah, so he didn't but do this. My, right, he... I, I'm a cycling correspondent for the Sunday Telegraph, and I'm a diving <laughs> correspondent for Diver Magazine, which is fantastic fun. And this picture is a comedy picture. Do go and have a look. Actually, it's a comedy picture, isn't it? Uh, the, the, the end of this dive in the Bahamas, just off Compass Point, interestingly enough, in Nassau. Which I'm sure will mean something to a lot of people. Yeah, Duran Duran fans. Duran Duran fans, probably, yeah. <laughs> there's, um, there's a little dive, and they have what they call a shark feed. And up till then, right, you've been diving in this place, and these are, these are wild animals. You occasionally see sharks going by about, you know, 20 feet away, which is a pretty disconcerting sight, I tell you. These are flesh-eating uh, creatures. Um, but at the end, they have a thing called the shark feed, where they get a load of fish heads and put them in a cage, right? And you get down to the bottom, very heavily weighted, so you can just sit on the bottom, you're not going to float off, right? And two guys, and this is disconcerting, put on chain mail, a form of armour, over their wetsuits, right, in order to spear these fish heads out of the cage and give them to these sharks. These sharks are quite big, they're nine-foot sharks, right? And they're telling you in a very serious lecture before you go down, whatever you do, do not wave your hands about. Put your, both your hands under your armpits and squeeze them tight. I guess what you sh- yeah. can, I, can I just... Can I just, <laughs> can I just interrupt? I don't, my so children are watching it. Somebody told Mark Ellen not to wave not his arm. Not to wave his arm, but I say his name to Jeremy Paxman or something. Not Jeremy Paxman, yeah. the other Jeremy. Jeremy Clarkson. Clarkson, exactly. Like, like telling Marcel Marceau not to wave his arms around. Yeah, that's how you yeah, talk with your, You talk know, with your arms and your legs. I know, but they had this photographer. They said, well, I'll pop around and just take my picture of all of you. It's amazing sight. 43 sharks turned up with this feeding frenzy, right? <laughs> and when the camera came by... Are they all forming an orderly queue outside, like kind of dere- yeah, derelicts waiting? Each other on kitchen. the fins, saying, "Yeah, fish heads are ready, everybody! <laughs> <laughs> Quick, over to Nassau. <laughs> They're hairy across the sea." And uh, yeah, no. So, so the camera comes by to me, and I just thought I just couldn't resist it. Really, I did something which you're not again not meant to do at 20 meters down. I took the regulator out of my mouth. There's a non-diver day. I should explain. Oh. You have to breathe through a regulator. If you don't have a regulator, you're not there for very long. Well, at least the, the sharks have carted you off, probably. So I take the regulator out of my mouth, and then make a kind of comedy. I'm really scared face <laughs> <laughs> with very wide eyes. And of course, the picture is actually quite funny because lo- I didn't realize this, but looming into shots I'm doing this course, is a nine-foot grey reef shark on its way to attack a fish head, right, you know, and I'm just standing there waiting. We all thought it's, it's it was a, photoshopped. Yeah, that's photoshopped, it's, it's absolutely photoshopped. real. It's not absolutely. a shark about to come up and say, did you used to be on the old grey whistle? <laughs> <laughs> Aren't you David Hepburn? That's right, you, you David Kershaw. Yeah, that's great. I really enjoyed that Robert Palmer thing, yeah. You, Can they really show that? Oh, you Bob, Bob yeah. Nightingale. Yeah, that's right, yeah. You were going to show fish heads by Barnes and Barnes, that's which right. we used to have on. Could you do the Star Kicker dance for me? Oh, do, 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 so do, you were do, kind of breaking all the safety regs, were you? By, by Pretty much everyone. I hope my children are listening to this. Your children are bound to see it. For both, both of my children are one of, in one of my scuba diving gangs. And I was very beautiful. They're going, like, don't forget, don't do anything stupid. You don't wave your hands right, keep your reg in, no singing underwater. Yeah, don't, don't show off around shows. <laughs> the other families, the only family do sing underwater, you see, which is pretty bad, really. What do they say? Well, we occasionally be bored on uh, coming back from a dive. You just take your regulator out and just sing a song, and then the other person has to guess what it is. <laughs> <laughs> 
Which feel, and it can, I'm quite good at it actually because I've got a very loud voice, you know. You sing underwater. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it can't be worse. done. You can if you put your hand under. If you fill a bath and tube, put your hand underwater. You can see. You can, you can make noises. So anyway, listeners, uh, if you're short of something to do this evening. <laughs> Uh, run, run a deep bath, climb in, and uh, sing Bohemian Rhapsody. And, uh, you know. Can I say that the hotel I was staying in, right, had an underwater audio. Have you ever heard of this? No. I couldn't believe it. The, the, the woman at the receptionist said, our, our latest facility is an underwater. I said, I couldn't have this. I'll try this out. I jump in the swimming pool. Sure enough, Lenny Kravitz is playing some <laughs> giant speakers. Underwater. You can only hear him underwater. Lenny Kravitz. Oh, Lenny Kravitz. Oh yeah, partly because Lenny Kravitz had stayed in the hotel recently. He probably, he probably got a, a discount because he's sitting there if they play his music underwater. Yeah, underwater music in American swimming pools. Oh, yes. There's got to be a really cruel joke there about Lenny Kravitz, and I'm just, I can't it quite bring it. It's, it's over. I'm it's sort of where something. he deserves to be there, isn't it? Really? <laughs> Just underwater. Keep him underwater. Underground. <laughs> you know, oh, right. Other places Thank you might you like yeah. to listen to Lenny I Kravitz. I didn't spend long in the pool, believe me. So right. anyway, that's on the website, wordmagazine.co.uk. <laughs> yeah. you know, and other people's holiday pictures will, <laughs> will follow in due course. If you've got a more uh, stupid and uh, less responsible picture, do so. Possibly not as, uh, not as picturesque. The Word. A magazine, a website, a podcast... A way of life. We just got time for the horror. <laughs> the hoary old rock of England. We should We're going to lift Mark up over our shoulders. Come and, on uh, and this week it's, uh, it's over to you, Mark. Can I remember this? You want me to do... Yeah, well, I can't tell you who it is. This is, this I can't one... tell you who it is. Oh, no, this is the one that happened to you at a, at a, at a, a literary at a, dinner. At a dinner. A literary dinner about two years ago. Orange. I think it was sponsored a, a literary prize, and uh, a mate of mine who runs the Hay Festival was organising a, a literary dinner uh, in in honour of Hanif Karishi, who had a new book out. And for some, God alone knows why, for some reason they asked me, which is very nice. They're actually Word Magazine; they're very very thick with us. So I turn up at this thing, and there's all sorts of people there of high-ranking literary types. And I, you know, get down the table, and I've got opposite me tremendous chap who is the scriptwriter for the James Bond films called Robert Wade. Very, very uh, amusing character. And next to me, I have ominously a, an empty chair. I have no idea who's going to occupy this. And I'm, I'm absolutely Hank Marvin. I'm just thinking, I'm just, be, I could eat a horse. You always uh, are. Scab your horse between two bread bands. Bread its horns off, slap it on the face. No, I just said that. Yeah. Go on, do all your food jokes. <laughs> Go on, do your food jokes. We used to have this guy who worked to smash it. It's called Rod Sobs. What are we talking about, Rod? Rod Stop. It was the advertising guy at Rod Stop. And it's, I'm sorry if there's any vegetarians listening, but this still amuses me. And Rob used to go to the restaurant with Rod, do you remember? He always used to order a rare steak so he could do his gag. He'd say, how do you like your steak, sir? Instead of saying rare, he'd say, just break his horns off, wipe his arse, just slap it on the plate. And when the steak arrived, not three minutes later, he would lean forward in a kind of mock comic way. Do you remember? His, his eyebrows would shoot together in consternation and say, do I hear lowing? <laughs> He'd say, God, dear, oh dear, Henry, uh, a good vet could have that on his feet in ten minutes. <laughs> but anyway, oh. but anyway, so I'm at this thing and I'm absolutely starving. I look down at the thing and I thought, I feel very on PC. I'm going to order the pate de foie gras. I don't care after that, I'm going to have a rare steak. I'm sorry again, vegetarians listening, that's what I went for. Do you think we should so, tell, say for the benefit of those people who are not into the minutiae of food, what is involved in pate de foie, de foie gras? I'll come on to that in a oh, moment. Okay, so I'll come on to right. that because it, uh, yeah, it, it's, the manufacturing methods have been questioned for centuries. You know. <laughs> but I certainly wasn't questioning it particularly night because I was Hank Marvin. Anyway, so at this point, I've no idea who's going to sit next to me. A little tiny bowl. Oh, who will it be? A little tiny bowl. <laughs> super right. 
And I'm a bit nervous because I think it's probably going to be some author whose novel I haven't read and who won't have read my magazine and we're going to have to kind of stumble through the whole movie. Anyway, doors, double doors, bang open and beetling across the room with the old uh, fringe over her, I can't see her eyes, is... Chrissy Hyde. <laughs> and I look around. Where's she going to sit, Mark? Where's she going to sit? Beads of perspiration break out of my brow. I think she can't sit next to me because I just ordered that. And of course, there's only one seat. Chrissy Hyde comes down, flags herself down. Hi, how are you doing? You know, I know her and I've interviewed her. We go on fire. First, you know, she looks at this soup. She says, Has this got meat in it? She doesn't say hello to anybody. She looks at a little tiny bowl of soup. And says, I said, you know, Chrissy Hyde, she's got no idea at all. I said, find out. So I said, you find out? Yeah, find out. So I go, okay. Did you have your waiter outfit on at the time? No, I, so, I, so I go, sorry, well, you know, I, so I flag down the head waiter and say, sorry to bother you, um, Chrissy, you're not a big fan of um, meat products of, of any kind at all. <laughs> That's putting can it you possibly, I'm trying to semaphore, can you change my order, but I can't quite get it across. Yeah. I said, is there any, you know, chicken sauce? Is there a little, little bit of chicken sauce? I said, Chrissy, and she pushes this bowl away as if it was radioactive. <laughs> She's, you know, literally, she stiffens. I thought, I'm, I'm in big, pro- big trouble now. Because that's her reaction to a tiny bit of chicken stock. Let's not forget <laughs> that pâté de foie gras is produced by the uh, over-distended livers of, uh, of slightly overfed geese. And at this point, I, I'm starting to imagine, how could this possibly get worse? Apart from a small flotilla of geese themselves parading yeah. out of the kitchen with a big sign saying, my uncle and my aunt have been needlessly murdered in order to... Provide yeah, a starter for that guy. That guy. <laughs> this guy. So anyway, Chrissy Hyde is talking Goose to a very up. nice guy from Esquire magazine. So I've, she, she's distracted. I've got about a two-minute window. <laughs> Can eat it really two minutes. No, dude hasn't arrived yet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she just stuff it in my pocket. You know, set, found, pour it into a pot plant. I've got two minutes. <laughs> I've got two minutes. Pop up dies. What's that? <laughs> yeah. So opposite me is this terrific guy, Robert Wade, who's a massively likable fellow and a bit of a bit of a bit of a player. He's got a, a, a Rolex sweater on. He's got a, and he's got a, a, a you know a, a high tar cigarette on the go, as you might imagine. So Robert, quickly, you've got to help me out. Bad things happened. He said, Tell me all, dear boy, what's up? Green hide. Uh, I can't even speak. I'm in such a state. I've ordered the bad and worse after that fucking great ribeye steak <laughs> literally bleeding do I hear low don't start that we haven't got time for that we've got problems here Chris and I said next to me what you said he said to me he said literally his words like, old boy leave it to me and I sat back I just raised my glass of red wine I thought I don't know what he's going to do but this guy is literally going to save the day he's come charging in on a white horse everything's going to be fine Sure enough, the waiter comes out <laughs> two minutes later and he's got a tray. And I can see at the front an enormous, great, steaming, pyramidic mound of, of, of pâté de foie gras. I think, oh God, Robert, weave your magic, do your thing. And he goes, is that the pâté de foie gras? I think you'll find it's for our gentleman just here. <laughs> oh God. And yes, he does. Pointing oh, at me, God. standing up and pointing at me. So it slapped down in front of me, at which point Chrissy Hyde simply takes one look at this, spins, turns her back to me, and doesn't address another word to me all evening. That's the end of it, there's nothing oh, yeah. else to say. Yeah. So at that point... So it wasn't all bad, then. It was. <laughs> oh. oh, no. But can you imagine the agony? Can you imagine that empty chair? Who could possibly fill it? Who would be the worst person? Oh, she is. This is a woman, yeah. this is a woman, much as I, I have Actually, to say, I absolutely love the girl and I love her music and all that stuff, but this is a woman who I had interviewed not a month beforehand and told me how she had chained herself to a radiator in a prison demonstrating against the fur trade. I yeah. mean, she felt quite strongly about it, Dave. <laughs> yeah. She, she once said, you should be a prostitute before you're a butcher. Really? I was very annoyed about well, that. You, you coming from a, a legendary family uh, of, uh, of puddles and butchers would have taken that very badly. Where does she, she stand on litter? That's what we want to know. Yeah, oh, she probably thinks it's great. Chrissy, forget all that. Do, do our litter song. <laughs>
That's what we need. Do you think yeah. we can get sponsorship from the anti-litter? I think we should bring it. Yeah, we're a song called Keep Britain Tidy. Yeah. Just start with that. Well, that's that's title. That actually does sound like a Morrissey song. It does. It? Keep it's Britain it's Tidy. It's a good album title. Yeah. Yeah. Bin it, let's win it. Pick yeah. it up. You know. Yeah. You can do loads Keep of Morrissey song uh, albums. Uh, Keep album Britain Boner. That's what you want. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you can imagine a Morrissey album called Don't Run With Scissors, couldn't you? Yeah. <laughs> All those old safety Don't things. Don't Run With Scissors you know. albums. Yes. The Green Cross Code. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Well, uh, that's about all we've got time for, as they say in radio, but it doesn't apply in the in the world of bottomless bottomless inventory well, that we're in. Quack on forever. Quack <laughs> on forever. But uh, if you want to know anything more about the magazine, uh, website wordmagazine.co.uk. Please leave us some feedback. Uh, anything you care for us to discuss? Any suggestions? Uh, we'd be more than happy to hear them. Thanks very much for listening. This podcast was brought to you by the Word. Details at wordmagazine.co.uk Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com.